Hello, everyone. This is Jamil returning for another fun-filled week where we're talking about the NFL, its teams, and divisions. As promised, tonight is our NFC East show, and this is Jamil for Real, the podcast. So we will be breaking down each team in the NFC East. We will be going over their off-season moves, their new new season storylines, and what they need to be successful this year. And then we're also going to predict where we think they'll end up in the division, you know, Who's making the playoffs? Who's clinching the division? Will they have more than one team in contention or will they be as awful as they were last year? Who knows? Well, my E, Jamil, and my co-host, Joshua Rarig, will try to piece that together over the course of the next hour or so. And hello, Josh. How are you doing th- this evening? I'm doing well, Mr. Jamil, sir. How are you? I am doing quite well. Thank you very much. Joshua then, Rarig uh... is another member of our... Uh, of low for our fantasy football league and uh, one of my closest friends. And uh, he has a very distinct honor of having an Owen 13 season in fantasy football before. Want to tell them a little about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't believe we made it a whopping 60 seconds into your podcast about the Owen 13 coming up. Well, I mean, uh, I had to do it, right. You, you expected you this had when we were to. on the show. I absolutely am had the distinct honor of being the only person I know to ever go winless in fantasy football. Now, I was, um, okay. I was I was trying to rebuild my team, and all in my uh, all fairness, I may have accidentally imploded a little bit way too far, and you know just so I can steal a little bit of your thunder, I'm going to point out before you get to I traded Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara in the exact same trade. You know, it's funny. I wasn't even going to point that out, but thank you for sharing that with our fans. No problem. I mean, I figured at some point you would have brought it up and, you know, I mean, it, it might've come up posted. later in the podcast as we kept on going on. Oh, by the way, quick it, it segue. It, yeah, go ahead. Uh, mentioned our fans. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in to listen. Uh, we really appreciate the, the amount of listens you've been giving to the Jmail for real podcast. And I thank you for the reviews that uh, you have left so far on Apple and Google. So very much appreciate all that. Uh, if you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate us on Apple, Google, there, uh, Spotify. There's so many different uh, channels you can listen to us through. You can see them all connected to this uh, podcast at the end. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for tuning in, listening to the Jmail for Real podcast. I will throw it back to Josh to continue to explain. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say that I had to go out there and throw out the Kamara McCaffrey deals because they shed a little bit of light on how I feel about very small, very short running backs. Fair and, enough. Uh, no, the, the, so I know that might the NFC East is the NFC tonight. East. Yeah, the NFC East is a division that's loaded with a freak of nature, uh, an injury-prone back with a terrible offensive line protecting him. And some rather small, tiny guys. Very much so. And I'm sure we will cover all four of them. Well, I will cover the running games for all four teams later on this evening. Because really, I think there's storylines and questions on all four teams with the running game. Yeah, oh, and I, mean, just, I definitely agree. And just for the disclaimer, he did make the playoffs the year before and after that 0-13 season. So he doesn't, you know, he's not really bad at fantasy football. He just had uh, the distinct, uh, the dubious honor of being that guy for that one year. So you would actually almost say that my rebuild worked because I did make the champ, or not the championship. I made the semifinals the next year. 
Uh, yeah, why not? We could say that. Yeah, I made the I made the semifinals and lost by for not getting too deep into fantasy football. But some leagues out there have uh, touchback rules, and not not that I'm too bitter, but I may have lost because a place kicker decided to kick too many touchbacks that game. You know that definitely happened. Uh, who was it that week? Was it Young Hoku that you lost to? It was Young Hoku. It, it was definitely a Young Hoku that I believe was picked up off waiver wires. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to the been, other owner. That, no one knew who he was at the beginning of that season. Yeah, my hat's off to the other owner that um, just out, outmanaged me that game. Oh, wow. See, I thought you would just hold on to that. But uh, I'm sure she'll, uh, I'm sure she'll enjoy uh, hearing that when she listens to the podcast this week. She just, and, you know, I, I've it's I've been bitter for two years now. I think I can finally let it start going. And by the way, guys, note it. Note, I did say she when I said uh, who beat him. So we'll leave it at that, though. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All and, right. So let's yeah. dive in. Um, I know you're. I know you're a New York Giants fan. So yeah, I don't like to admit it, but yes, I am. I know you want to probably not start with the Dallas Cowboys, but alphabetically they do come first. So and also in uh, explosiveness and just overall team talent, and uh, also in, in the in the uh, least amount that they get out of that talent, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I'm pretty sure they win in uh, highest payroll too, don't they? Oh, they may have the highest payroll. I'm not. 100% sure as far as that goes, but uh, I do know this. Uh, if that team ever gets its act together, it'll be really good, but who knows? Well, let's talk about it. Do the Dallas Cowboys finally live up to the amount of talent they have on their team this year? Any thoughts from you starting off? I'm, you know, to take a little bit of a key from one of the one of your previous co-hosts, if you haven't gone back and listened to the draft recap yet, you should definitely go back. I believe that was your first episode, right? That was our first episode with Ethan Shukas. Yeah, so if you're if you're coming into the podcast a little bit late, I'm going to give JMO a little plug there that the first episode is definitely one you should go back and listen to. But Excellent. yeah. If you, uh, I believe Ethan Shukas always talks about it, so anybody can find it. No, the Dallas Cowboy coaching staff cannot get the best out of that team. Oh, now when you say the coaching staff, are you referring to them as a whole or Mike McCarthy specifically? I'm specifically referring to Mike McCarthy. <laughs> he, um, he arguably had one of the greatest quarterbacks that we're going to see in this era of football and just couldn't get, couldn't get it right. And yeah. if, you, if you couldn't get it right with Rodgers, you're not going to get it right with Prescott. So you don't think there's a chance that uh, Prescott's one of the top quarterbacks of this era? I've been saying it since he was at uh, Mississippi State. I, I love Dak. Oh, same I, here. I love his story. Um, I, I have him in every fantasy football league right up until the point where I, I trade him away for an arm and a leg. But I just, I just don't see it for Dak. I, I don't see him, you know, not, not to get too crazy and too out there. I definitely don't see a ring anytime in the future for him. Unless, unless uh, the circumstance unless, were to change. Right, unless they add a Julio Jones. And, you know, then you have CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Gallup, and, and Julio Jones. Okay, let's talk about for that moment. Uh, talk about that for a moment because I don't see any chance that Julio is going to be a cowboy. As a matter of fact, when uh, the story came out that Julio uh, 
was no longer to be part of the Falcons when um, he was speaking to uh, Shannon Sharp on the uh, Undisputed uh, on the show with uh, Shannon and Skip. Um, Julio very much implied that he would not be a Cowboy. He did. He very much implied it. And I'm not sure what the logic is with Shannon Sharp believing that Dallas is not a winner. But uh, I do think that Julio is not going to go there. But if you have any Cowboys fans listening, they're still living in their little pipe dream world where the Dallas Cowboys get Julio Jones and they finally can perform at level. Yeah, but, you know, I just wanted to spell that rumor as a whole because not only like not only did he indicate not, but uh, they kind of indicated the Falcons kind of indicated they don't really want to trade him to an NFC team. Right. So I think the problem is that the NFC makes the most sense with the teams that are available for Julio, but that's an AFC South podcast, not an NFC East podcast. Oh, AFC South podcast is definitely uh, a good podcast to discuss Julio Jones and obviously also NFC South podcast. Uh, Those podcasts are coming much later on, by the way, uh, anyone who wants to know the official order, we will be doing NFC East first, then AFC East, then NFC uh, West then AFC West for the first four shows. So we're going East West first and then North South second. And I know it's yeah. unorthodox as a lot of people put AFC first, but you know, I'm doing it this way 100% because I just want to switch it up. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I think it makes more sense. You're, you're going through probably the worst division in football for a second consecutive year. You just get them out of the way first. Yeah, no, that's basically it. But I didn't want to have to say that for all the Giants, uh, Cowboys, Eagles, and Washington football. You know, I'm just going to rant for one minute here. How do you not have a name for your team yet? It's been over a year now. Like, seriously, get a name. Okay? And my take on that, for those listeners that don't know me or anybody anything about me yet, I'm a baseball guy, a little bit more than football. And... uh the Cleveland Indians announced that the last year that they will be changing their name from the Cleveland Indians. They've already, you know, gotten rid of the chief Wahoo logo for themselves, but their ownership team, I think handled it much better than the Washington football team where they, they said they're not changing their name until they have something else trademarked, copyrighted and ready to go. Yeah, no, that kind of makes sense. Right. Right. Um, I'm not trying to throw any shots at your football fans here or, uh, you know, soccer fans rather but we are not a we are not a soccer loving country that much and that's <laughs> that is a soccer tactic that you get just because the team doesn't want to have to stick to one trademark or logo for too long yeah it, no, uh... it, it does work great i mean if we're looking at teams like new york football club, uh the new york football club that just started this year they're on their second logo already which means that they get to continuously change out merchandising however the washington football team wasn't very smart with their merchandising to begin with and I, I know last year was a weird year because of COVID, but I think we saw a huge decrease in their fan base passion. I mean, probably. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, and, and that's with the team potentially getting exciting again, too. So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where, like, if, yeah, it's, it's hard to be a fan of a team that doesn't have a name, I feel. Right. So I actually I accidentally derailed you. We were talking about Dallas. I'll throw us back on track here. Oh, no problem. Um, okay, so we dispelled we Julio. We got our shots in at Washington for their name. Yep. Uh, let's start at the later. top. Dak Prescott. 
Is he going to come back healthy? What do you think? Uh, I mean, if, if I can speak freely for one second, I think you have to start even higher at the top when you're talking about Wash, uh, Dallas. Oh, fair enough. I think you have to wonder if Jerry Jones is going to continue to uh, if he's going to continue to kind of Oakland Raider his own team here and, and um, continue <laughs> it's to the shoot Las him Vegas in the foot. Raiders. Nobody's oh, getting that oh, right. Las Vegas. <laughs> um, continue to shoot him in the foot. He needs to get out of the way at this point. Um, the football, the football style that made Jerry Jones so great in the nineties is not the football that we watch anymore. So it's trying so to, trying to live a team off of the Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith kind of mentality it's not going to work in 2021 win with the big running back anymore. Not that you can't win with the big running back, but the big the running back cannot be your biggest player on your franchise anymore. Can't he can't even be in the top five for the most part. Well, again, this is, you know, going to another division, but I feel like we have to draw the comparison here that you can't win with your running back being your top guy, because if you could, the Tennessee Titans would be Super Bowl champions. And, yeah. you know, they just, it doesn't work out the way that, the way that Jerry Jones seems in his head, he believes it does. So when I say start at the top, and you, you mentioned the top of the food chain here, I think Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy have to really figure out modern day football. And until they can get that done, it doesn't matter what the rest of the team does. And it's so awful too, because Mike McCarthy was talking about how he learned analytics in his year away from the game and everything. And then he goes out and he just pulls his Mike McCarthy crap again all over. And it's kind of like... You you, could- you, you didn't learn anything. Analytics. You could look at analytics though and say the Oakland A's over in baseball, they invented analytics in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, um, no team had ever done analytics the, the way the Oakland A's have. And they've never won a title. Yeah. So analytics are great, but and I'm a huge analytics guy. I, well, I know I love, you are. That's why I gave you the segue there. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love analytics. Uh, I think that it, it you can't understand the future without the past, but you can, it's just my humble opinion, you know, third and one, the analytics don't always that equal out, you know, and it, it, a lot changes. And I think a lot of these guys that use analytics to justify their decisions, such as, you know, Matt LaFleur deciding to kick a field goal when you have oh you know, arguably goodness. one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time <laughs> sitting there, you know, it, they uh. don't always work. You're, there's too many variables that you're looking at. And in that moment and in that game, no team is predictable. You know, it's any given Sunday, right? Yeah. But then if we transition down to Dak, where you originally asked, I think Dak does come back healthy. Right. It would be hard to think that he doesn't come back in full form. Yeah, I do, however, want to know the – I'm trying to find a way to say this where you're not going to jump down my throat on it. No, go for it. I do want to know what the RG3 mentality effect is going to be on Dak Prescott. Is he still willing to run out? It, when, you, when you have a big guy barreling down at you and, and you've got your, you know, you've got your Shaq Lawson's steamlining full force at him, is he still going to be willing to run that football? And if I if guess Dak my is- first question is, does he really even need to be able to run the football like that? Like, obviously, he needs to scramble and everything. But with that receiving core, um, right. I don't think it's that big of a drawback if Dak decides that he's going to run less. I, I would completely agree. I think it matters how the team is gelling to the, to the style that Dak is going to come back playing. 
That's I fair. don't. I don't think he's going to c- come back the same Dak. Um, and it's you know it's hard for me to say as a Giant fan, but I think more than his athletic ability and his just raw talent, Dak Prescott is a very smart young man. Oh yeah, and he is. He's going to do what's best for him and what's best for his long term future. And that's going to be probably staying in the pocket more often. And the truth is, when you have Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, you know, you go down the list, Ezekiel Elliott's a great pass catching back. Uh, right. He has more than enough weapons, and he has the offensive line that can give him the time. And I get it that he he's made plays with his feet in the past, but right. honestly, um, you know, R- Russell Wilson became an even greater passer when he started running less. So. Russell doesn't run as much as he used to. And uh, Dak Prescott could easily take a page out of that book and, you know, turn himself into even a greater passer, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I completely think you're right. Um, I think what hurts them the most is you saw it this year when, you know, you were looking at guys like Ben DiNucci that came in to play for them <laughs> after both Dalton and Dak went down. Yeah. Um. Dallas has no backup quarterback again. I don't think you need to necessarily have the greatest backup quarterback in order to win, but you have to have a guy that in a, in a pinch can get you through a half or two. Yeah. Especially when you have a guy coming back from the type of injury that Dak had, like, don't get me wrong. I I think he's playing uh, all 17 games. And uh, honestly, I don't see them going to the playoffs. I, I see them being in that division until the end, but I think that division is only producing one playoff team again. And honestly, there's one team that looks that much better than all the others to me. I think the if you say that the NFC is producing one playoff team, I'm going to say you're right. I think we'll get to it when we get to the end, but yeah. I think we're I think we're going to disagree as to who the playoff team is. There's a little uh, teaser for you and out there in podcast. And I, I think we're going to be arguing over the final two teams that we talk about, not the first two teams we talk about, right? I would say so. I think that your fourth place team is is possibly going to be my second place team, if not my my division winner. Okay, well that'll be fun when we get to it. Absolutely. So, but we, I'm guessing we both agree that the Cowboys are going to be the team that just misses out. I do. Um, I think the 17-game schedule hurts them worse. I don't know who Jerry Jones necessarily really upset in the league office. But, <laughs> you know, when you look at the Cowboys' schedule and, and their, their random Week 17 game yeah. uh, or the random additional game, I think that's what the league's calling them this year, right, is additional games. Yeah. When, when you look at their additional game being against Tom Brady – not sure who they upset so badly, but they're going to get tagged with an additional loss that's going to really hurt them in the wild card run. Yeah, uh, um, unless this is the year that he finally ages, which who knows? No one's going to predict that anymore. <laughs> we'll get it. I'm well, sure even then, they're that. not going to beat that defense, even if Tom Brady is old at this year. <laughs> right. I'm sure you'll get to that in a future podcast, but just because I don't think, know if I'll be on that one. My two cents is Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl ring with his with being very old with a great defense. The, this there's is no, fair. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that that Tampa Bay defense can't get another one. Yeah. No, th- this is fair because that defense and that receiver core, regardless of who the quarterback are, are going to are going to make a deep run into the playoffs one way or the other. 
Right. I mean, this is an NFC podcast, East podcast, so I believe I can bring up the fact that the Giants won two from Brady with Eli Manning as their quarterback. Uh, yeah. <laughs> even a prime Eli Manning does not beat a sub-prime Tom Brady. Uh, so it, it was all off the defense. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of defense, though, I'm interested to find out what you actually – I don't think we've had a chance to talk too much. What are your thoughts on this Dallas Cowboys defense? I alluded to it last week, and I'm going to go into more detail tonight. I think that this defense is a much improved defense in the way that a burning dumpster full of human remains is much improved to newspaper waste. I'm just going to ask you real quick. You believe that newspaper waste is worse than human remains in a dumpster? No, no, no. I'm just pointing <laughs> oh, out yeah. that, uh, you know, the, the, their defense was a burning dumpster of human remains, and now it's just oh, a pile okay. of old newspapers. I misunderstood the, uh, I misunderstood the uh, joke. My there. mistake. I didn't clarify that well <laughs> enough. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot better. Yeah, it's. It's a lot less horrifying. It's a lot less offensive. The smell's not nearly as bad, and it's still trash. Don't get right. me wrong. Who... I love Micah Parsons. I have mm -hmm. no reason to believe, though, that he's going to take this defense from being the, the worst defense in football to anything higher than the 30th defense in football. Wow. So, wow. Any thoughts off of that? <laughs> uh wow that's that's aggressive <laughs> um what what is the move like i i know keanu neal got at it in in the secondary but like uh, here let's let's pull up this defense really quick you tell me i i think micah parsons is real good i i do believe that if you're really looking at if you're looking at Dallas, man, Sean Lee leaving, I think a lot of people – I know Sean Lee was getting you about eight, eight, nine games a year at the end. Yeah. But I think Sean Lee not being there really hurts. I think Lynn and Van Der Esch, um, and I'm going to be sensitive with how I say this. Is a thing of the past. You don't even have to be sensitive right. about it. When they drafted Parsons, they were done with the, uh, Van Der Esch. They're tired of his well, injuries. I think you you have a place in the league for both, and you have a place on the team for both. But Van Der Esch is he's very fragile. He is and, very fragile for a middle linebacker. And how, we saw with Luke Keekley, how many concussions can a guy get before they just? You have to start wondering if any time he he takes a hit anywhere near his upper body, is he going to be okay? But uh, Keekley did not get injured the first four years of his career, if I'm correct. That was right. something no, like right. it, Van Der Esch started guess, in year two. I guess what I was trying to point out there is that uh, Keekley's end of his career is already late, late in Van Der Esch's current situation. Yeah. And he's already probably on his way towards a very early retirement and um, being a very good defensive football coach in the college level. All right. Projected defense, according to our lads. Um, I, I do our lads. I put a little more stock in our lads in the early off season and a, and a mm -hmm. lot more stock in uh, ESPN closer to the season. But 
Um, so that's the reason why I'm using our lads for this one. Projected defense for the Dallas Cowboys. Demarcus Lawrence, Carlos Watkins, Tristan Hill, uh, Neville Gallimore, Randy Gregory, Micah Parsons, Jalen Smith, Kelvin Joseph, Reggie Robinson, Donovan Wilson, Trevin Diggs, Jordan Lewis. How many of those guys have you heard of before I read that list? Uh, definitely John Smith. I mean, I, you know. You've heard of Demarcus Lawrence. You've heard of Jalen Smith. You've heard of Micah Parsons. Uh, you've heard of Jordan. You, because you play in a, fa- a fantasy football league that has IDP and full rosters, you've probably mm-hmm. heard of Jordan Lewis and Trevon Diggs. Right. And you haven't being heard honest, of um, anyone else. Right. And I cannot give you an honest assessment of Smith. He come, you know, he comes to the University of Notre Dame. And the one thing in my life that I'm more passionate about than anything else is my love for the University of Notre Dame. Yep, there you uh, go. So I will flat out acknowledge that I'm that's probably a homer assessment of the guy. Um, you know, he's he's gonna be in the he's gonna be in the Irish Hall of Fame. So and then you know, the- I, I do think I do think though Dallas is that's a when you say it like that, though, don't you think that there's a solid run defense built already? I'm looking for this run defense. These the, these two defensive tackles, and, and you know how much I, I loved uh, the defensive side of the board um, mm-hmm. and, and how much I love a great defense. I, I've never even heard of Carlos Watkins or Tristan Hill at all. Right. And they're the defensive tackles anchoring the center of that line. And I, I don't even know who the third lineman, uh, Neville uh, Gallimore, is. Yeah, like, I mean, when I'm for hearing those... that defensive line, and Demarcus Lawrence is getting old, he hasn't had that a D law season in two years now. For those of you that don't follow him on Twitter already, great. One of the best follows on Twitter is Jay Mills' end of the week recaps on defensive players. I, I mean, I'm not just saying it because I'm on I'm on his podcast here, but. There's very few people that will go through and analyze who the defensive players of the week are and actually give you a real breakdown. And um, one thing I'm going to say that I, you know, I got to give you credit here. I love is Jamil does not just like the names. So if you're, if you're looking to get more into the knowledge of the defensive side of football, I would really recommend going and hitting their Twitter channel up with a follow now and then uh, turning on those notifications because during the NFL season, you're really going to want Jamil's notifications on. Oh, He's thank gonna... you very much. I guess no I should throw the Twitter handle out at this point in time. It's at capital J underscore capital M I capital L four capital R E A L. That's Jamil for real. And, you know, seriously, guys, I, I mean it to everybody, anybody listening. Hit, not only hit the follow, but also hit that notification button. So your phone goes off every time he, he hits you with a notification. If you are at all into the, um, I will call it sports investing for your family friendly audience here. Jamil will give you the news that you need or to actually observe the defensive side of the football and be able to make a much more educated decision for the upcoming weeks. Well, I definitely appreciate that. I put time into uh, the defensive rankings not just the overall stat line of the defensive player at the end, right. but the impact of the plays and when they happened. And uh, because it, the, it's not about making uh, it's not about piling up tackles when the game's already gone. It's about the impact that you make while the game is going on. And there's a lot of players that are good at compiling stats. And there's 
other players that are just good at winning you the game from that end of the field. Um, quick example. I know that th this is the wrong show for it, but uh, Sean, uh, if you are playing in a, uh, in an IDP league for the first time and you have the opportunity to get a Sean uh, Murphy bunting, um, I would definitely recommend that you pick him up uh, for your defensive backs because uh, not only does he make a, a fair amount of plays, but he makes clutch plays when they count too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and back onto, you know, the Cowboys, because I, I don't want to get us too far off. Here. Oh, and by the way, Micah Parsons is going to put up huge linebacker numbers this year. There's right. no reason to believe that he won't. It's just when I look around at that rest of the defense, um, there's, there's a lot of has-beens and unknowns. If you're in an IDP league for the first time, you're really confused as to what you're doing. I would, I would draft Micah Parsons with your IDP slot. I yep. would not. I would not overreach for an IDP guy, yeah, especially if you're in a league where it's just one, or maybe you know you're even in a league where it's two. I would not reach too far for a Michael Parsons, but I would definitely, I would definitely take him before you don't have before the IDP run starts. Though we played an IDP together um, when Keekley and Wagner were both in their heyday, I had right. no problem uh, drafting Keekley and Wagner in the fifth and sixth rounds back to back. Yeah, and because the way the league was set up. And if you are in a league such as the I mean, I know there's a few people out there that are absolutely insane like we are. If you're in a league like a wolf type situation where you have a lot of solid defensive options and you have to fill your a lot of defensive spots, I, I don't think it's unrealistic to think Michael Parsons is a, a first or second round pick. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, considering that your running backs are taken care of, considering that mm -hmm. you know you still take running back first, no matter, uh, no matter what, like, yeah, you know, we're, we're yeah. not telling you to disobey those rules, but when, when you get to the point where the receivers on the board are all looking the same, all the running backs are gone. You snag that top IDP, uh, P player before you, before you snag the quarterback, because there's so much differential in, right. there's so little differential in quarterbacks at the end. And by that point in time, all the big tight ends are off the board too. It, you're definitely better off getting that guy who's going to get you those 10 tackles and, and big play a game. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just assume everybody that's listening to a podcast such as this one's probably already in a dynasty league. So they probably already had their off most of their offense filled out. That's fair. But uh, and then back to Dallas though. I mean, <clears throat> the, the corners are not great, but when you look at the division, there's not really a quarterback that I think, that exist in this division that's going to torch you. So I think that Dallas can get away with subpar quarter, uh, you know, corner play on an on game, a Ryan Fitzpatrick can torch, torch you, but you never know when those games are. And I know that my fellow giants fans out there are going to going to say, what about Daniel Jones's 300 plus passing game with four touchdowns. And I'm going to just, just simply ask when the last time we saw 300 plus and four touchdowns out of Daniel Jones was, <laughs> uh, so I, I think I think they're gonna be okay. And I, I honestly think, and this is you know probably opposite of what you're thinking. I could see Dallas being that team that puts up 35 a game. Oh no, I, I I definitely think Dallas will put up 35 a game. You know, one thing to make clear, like as much as I hate their defense, I love mm -hmm. their offense that much. Like, Wait, and if you 
There's you know, no they're... reason to think they're not going to put up the best offensive numbers in the league. And and I get it before, you know, uh, you, you could be talking Pat Mahomes. You could be talking so many other different places. Oh, my, my bad. His mother wants us to call him Patrick. Um, right. <laughs> don't forget that. Don't, don't forget that now. It's a big change. I, I intentionally forget it all the time and uh, then follow it up with uh, his mother wants to call him Pat, us to call him Patrick. Because I, I like it better that way. But, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, <laughs> I haven't taken a shot yeah. at that in the first three episodes. That's a new one for you guys tonight. <laughs> it isn't the same old Bill O'Brien stuff rehashed. <laughs> so what about Zeke? Um, um, yeah, Zeke is the last place to go here. Um, it, you think this is the breakdown season? Um, I don't know. You know, I think we... we I, did, did you honestly, see some sign of it coming last year? I did, but I think, you know, I think Zeke is the inverse of a Derrick Henry. Okay. And that, and that Zeke starts off so hot and kind of fizzles. Yeah. Whereas Derrick Henry starts off kind of cold. And um, I mean, okay, let's just say last year excluded. I mean, I know the guy put up, you know, 40 for most fantasy leagues in like week two. Yeah. But no, Derrick Henry you know, was hot, that, was a good play any week last year. So I'm not sure if JMO's let his fan base know this yet. If not, I'm going to give you his dirty little secret that he's a, he likes Buckeye college football a little more than most people ever should. But, uh, you know, I think what you notice, so I think what you notice is Zeke, though, when you saw it in college and you've seen it in the NFL time too, when his team is not performing well, he's not going to carry them. He is, and this is a hard thing to say about a guy that does it plays this game at the level that Zeke does. But I, I, I honestly think if we're being honest about Zeke, he doesn't love football. And you know, I think that's the I, biggest. I find it really difficult to say stuff like that. Like I, I freely give out shots on the show all the time. And I, I, I feel uncomfortable saying that about anyone, but I will but say what... enough to say that's probably true. He's given us no indication that football is more than a job to him. Yeah. Uh, When his team is bad, he's still on the sidelines laughing and joking. And I'm not saying that they can't. I don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those guys that think that athletes can't also enjoy their lives, but he doesn't seem to care. Um, And he's not the guy that wants to put the team on his back. Yeah. And honestly, games in which uh, Tony Pollard got the, um, you know, a fair share of the work. I feel like the Cowboys did better when right. Zeke and Pollard were in a little bit of a platoon. Not, it's not wasn't a real platoon. Like Zeke still got the uh, the majority of it, but honestly, I think the Cowboys were better when they give some of Zeke snaps to Pollard. And I don't want to, you know, there's one play that really sticks out to me, and it, uh, it really speaks the most about Zeke that I can think is. I, I can't remember who the team was, but I remember there's a third and seven. And I remember it was when, you know, when they were doing that quarterback by committee kind of backup thing they were doing there earlier <laughs> this year. Yeah. It was a third and seven. Zeke, Zeke had the ball and he, he has about five yards and he goes down. When most running backs in that situation lower their shoulder and just try to push out the extra two. That's not even most running backs. That's every other uh, top running back in the league fights for those and last he, two. Kamara fights now, for those. McCaffrey fights for those. Henry Cook. Right. You go down the list. They all fight for them. 
I mean, look at Saquon. We're in the NFC East here, so look at Saquon Barkley. Guy blows out his leg playing for a not good team to pick up the extra three yards. Um, yeah, and he has and a I'm high ankle sprain the year before, and uh, he comes back in what two weeks? Was yeah, I mean, it two I'm not or three? Guy, I think it was three. Okay, but I'm not advocating that guys go out there and per- get themselves hurt. Oh no, no, no. Team. Yeah, yeah. We're not. We're not That's saying the- what Saquon did that year was stupid and probably and possibly right. career defining. We'll get to Saquon. Right, yeah. If there's any high school or college kids that are listening, and I actually know that there's one high school football player that listens particularly because he happens to live in my own house. Um, I, if there's any high school or college kids that ever listen to this podcast, I think JMO and I are both on the same page by saying, if you're hurt, tell your coach you're hurt. Don't try to play through something bad. Yeah. You're, especially you're too, on that you're too young. Yeah. You're too young. You're not getting paid. Don't, don't hurt your long-term futures. Um, 100%. Yeah. But when you are playing for a team, when you are playing for a team in a bad division where you're basically the Cowboys controlled their own destiny for a lot of that season, even though they didn't want to, you know, they, they purposely tried to find a way to give away the year, even though they didn't want to. I love that. You know, I think that uh, what you have to say is Zeke could have gotten them in the playoffs. If he, if he wanted to get them in the playoffs, he could have. Yeah, he could have. But that, uh, that division you know, was so, up for the taking, and uh, he decided that he didn't want to. So, right, so uh, a I recap on the Cowboys. On, yeah, my my personal recap on the Cowboys is your owners your owners a dumpster fire. Your defense isn't that good. Your head coach isn't great, and uh, your running back doesn't really want to play that hard. So, but your passing yeah. game is going to give more than enough highlights for all of them. Right. So it's one of those things. Congratulations, you'll be good. You'll have your heart broken. Yeah, um, you're, you're gonna score 35 win. points a game, and you're gonna lose a lot of game by three points. And yeah, your team might make a run at some point. They're gonna give you glimmers of hope that maybe they can make it a deep run in the playoffs. And some point, it's all gonna crash and burn. So, and as, a, as too... a Giant fan, I look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, way too early prediction for me for the Dallas Cowboys is uh, is a third in the NFC East. Um, probably two games out of the division title. So super way too early prediction for me. Yeah, super way too early. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. And it's a hot take and it's going to, you know, I'll probably get some flack from some people when they listen to it. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys, your fourth place team in the NFC East. Fair enough. Yep. That is your, uh, your fourth place NFC East team. So. Okay, so we both have them in the bottom half either way. So, correct. Uh, we're gonna love it when we get to Washington and Philly, aren't we? I think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I think I know where our uh, friendly wager is gonna come from. Well, let's uh, let's get too. the other team out of the way first. So, okay. uh, your team, the other team, <laughs> New York Giants. What what is there to say here? Like. <sighs> I, I guess we have to start with a does Saquon come back healthy? Yeah, I think that's where we have to start. Does Saquon come back healthy? And uh, before I give my very blatant and obnoxious answer, do you want do you want to talk about this a little first? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give you a little bit more than I think you want from the New York Football Giants here. Okay. I think Saquon comes back healthy. Huh. I think Saquon plays great. 
I think Saquon goes down week eight. Week eight. Okay. Week nine, so, so you still have him getting injured despite coming back healthy. Yes, I do. I think okay. Saquon is Saquon is not going to have the protection he needs. Uh, early indications, at least as a Giant fan, we have to be very thankful that Joe Judge has already said Saquon will not be returning kicks or punts ever again. <laughs> um, and if, uh... if we flash back to his days as a Nittany Lion, and that's what made Saquon great. And, um, you know, we look at Saquon and we look at those explosive plays. A guy with a bad ankle and a bad knee on the other side. Uh, is he explosive anymore? Pro- probably not. You know um, what? I still think he's a top three running back in football when he's playing. I mean, I, I think that's a conversation for another day. But, uh, like, wow. I, I'm not sure I take a. I don't know, maybe top four. Uh, the the one I'm thinking back and forth on is Derrick Henry. Right. With uh, Christian McCaffrey back... and Dalvin Cook being the, the two ahead. And you're just going to go ahead and leave out Kamara? No, I think Kamara's in a very bad situation with uh, Taysom Hill at quarterback right now. Oh, see, I love that situation. I mean, I don't want to derail you here, but oh, that, that offense screams military academy, Georgia Tech you know, double, triple option type offense. It's it's going to be so hard to defend. I'm just basing it off of what that offense did in its preview last year. If I'm wrong, I'm happy to be wrong because I actually like the Saints. I mean, so we, we can agree Saquon's good. He's probably going down. But he, here's some names I'm going to throw at you for why I'm actually a little higher on the Giants than most people would be. Okay. John Ross, fastest man. If, if he can stay healthy, and we saw what he did with Joe Burrow when he was healthy. Oh, but by the way, I don't have the Giants as the fourth-place team, for the record. Oh, I, I appreciate that. I mean, and then you look at Reggie Ragland, new linebacker. Leonard, uh, Leonard Williams coming up with a nice contract to the Giants as defensive lineman. Aziz Ojolari, great pickup yeah. in the draft. Kenny Galladay. I actually think the Giants are deceptively, uh, are, are deceptively better than, than they look on paper. As a I matter mean, of fact, you... you'll be happy to notice when I did my article for World in Sport. Uh, uh, I am um, I write for uh, for World in Sport. I do all their NFL columns. Well, not all of them, but most of their NFL columns. So definitely mm-hmm. look up uh, Jamil for real on World in Sport and uh, read some of my articles if you like what you hear in the podcast. But uh, I had the Giants as a ten, the tenth most improved team of this offseason when I did that article. Did did you bring up the Kyle? You know, this is another one, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph, um, yeah. He he's going to be a perfect complement to Evan Ingram. You got Zach Fulton, he, former uh, Houston Texan, being our new uh, new offensive guard there. Mike Glennon is a Mike Glennon is quarterback. I think he's got a backup quarterback has a lot to teach. But let's Brian not Anderson. get too ahead too ahead of ourselves on an offensive line. It's still not great. It's not great, but then you look at Ryan Anderson, another linebacker. I think people are really underestimating that the Giants added five linebackers this offseason, not to mention Kenny Galladay, you know, who you, you mentioned earlier. But I don't – And um, They also added a, a Dory Jackson to that secondary, uh, That's too. who I was just going to say. I think a Dory Jackson, the biggest offseason move made by the New York football Giants. And they converted Logan Ryan to safety 
he could actually end up yep. being a really good uh, ball hawk safety safety in this league. I think that um, <clears throat> you know, I'm excited to see Joe Judge year two. We had pre- I got permission from you earlier to say this, um, to talk about lines a little bit. The Giants are a plus five sixty to win the NFC East this year. Yep. I, I don't think that's a bad bet. If you have the again to clarify, if you if you have the money that you can afford to lose on a bet, I don't think it's a bad bet. If you don't have the money to afford to lose, don't don't put your family in jeopardy on a plus five five sixty. One hundred percent. Um, you know, but if you if you got an extra you know hundred bucks floating around there and you want to turn it into a, a five sixty profit, I think the Giants are probably where you find it. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think honestly, third third year Daniel Jones is going to be much improved. My, my biggest um, concern with this team is Daniel Jones, though. I think what people don't realize, statistically speaking, the fastest quarterback in the NFL is uh, Lamar Jackson. Second fastest is still Russ. But then a lot of people think Patrick Mahomes is really fast and Dak and all that. Daniel Jones actually hit a higher top speed than anybody in the NFL besides Lamar Jackson. And I, I get it. He's also the top deep, uh, according to analytics, he's also the top deep uh, ball thrower in the league, too. Which now you add a guy that ran a, what, what did John Ross run, a 4-2? Um, yeah, I think he ran a 4-2-40. I, I am not it, prepared. Let's, uh, let's pull it up. This it, like I know at the time enough. it set the record, and I know th- this year it fell. The record fell. But... uh. And you saw him with Joe Burrow. Well, you looked that up. I'm just going to make the point that you saw it. 4.22. John Ross ran a 4.22. So, and you you know, you saw it when he had Joe Burrow that can open it up and throw deep. That is a man that takes the top off the defense for you. You you can. So Daniel Jones, who can throw Hail Marys basically by accident. Every Giants fan will tell you that we've, Love how deep he can throw it. Unfortunately, we wish most of the time he, there was a receiver in the vicinity, and it made <laughs> sense as to why the ball ended up there. Um, I think he's a guy that a perfect guy that takes the you know the, the top off the defense. I think Kenny Galladay is Kenny Galladay is a great wide receiver. Oh, definitely. Adding Evan Ingram when healthy is one of the top uh, top tight ends in the league. Can I play off Adding of your Ingram, when healthy for a moment though? Go ahead, absolutely. Um, if my if I had a biggest concern with the Giants, other than other than the uncertainty with Danny Dimes, it comes down to that almost all of these players that we're listing as the important players for the team have a history mm-hmm. of injury. That whole receding core, including the tight ends, have a history with injury. Saquon Barkley, you go to their New pickup, by the way, I, again, I love Aziz Ojulari. I, I gave him high praise in the draft episode. I'll get into that a little bit more. History with injury. Uh, Adoree mm-hmm. Jackson, history with injury. You, you go down mm-hmm. the list, the, the people who need to be around to make this giant season great all have a history with injury. There's no way they're all remaining healthy. So the question is, who, when do they lose who and for how long? Right. And I think part of the thing that we got to look at with the Giants is can they stay healthy long enough? Yeah. Um, to win a bad division. And also, can we um can we we we've kind of skated over this a little bit? We talked about their offseason pickups. 
uh, Devontae Booker on a, on a one-year, $6 million deal, you know, formerly of the Raiders. That That's just a solid, solid backup running back. It's something that if we had one of those last year. It's a good handcuff it. if you're playing fantasy, and it's 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 okay by the NFL standards. Right. I think it's um, it, it's definitely the best backup we've seen them have for Saquon. <laughs> oh, no argument here. Um, I'm not saying that. And, you know, the good news, too, with the wide receivers, they have Darius Slayton, they have Sterling Shepard, uh, Dante Pettis, uh, Kadarius Tooney, uh, Galladay Ross. So, in theory, you'd have to get hit with a lot of wide receiver injuries at the same time to not have the depth. I, I don't want to count out Tooney um, this early because, you know, we haven't even seen him get into training camp yet. Yeah. But I will say... One thing that I would caution any Giants fan on is the idea of thinking that you get a young quarterback and a young wide receiver to be on the same page early. It's going to take time. Will Trask is a fantastic quarterback. Uh, the you know if <clears throat> if I was on your draft update episode, recap episode, I would have told you that uh, Will Trask is probably one of the best sleep quarterbacks that was taken this year. Okay. I think it was. I think it's very fitting that he's going to a team with a veteran quarterback that was drafted late. But uh, Tooney, I think, is good. He Will Trask is. He made Will Trask look great for a couple weeks there during the regular season. We are talking about Will Trask possibly winning a Heisman. Yeah. And I think Tooney was the reason. But I think working with a young quarterback in a very very green head coach. It's going to take them time. So that's where guys like a Kenny Galladay really, I think, are going to show up big for yeah. the Giants is, you know, teaching them how to play and helping get them on the same track by the end of the season. So I could see the Giants starting off rough. I, I, I mean, I'm not counting out an 0-3 for 0 and 3 start to the season. But, you know, definitely but, uh, not yeah. even counting out 0-4. In the end, I think they'll be competitive, though. I do, too. I think they're going to turn it on late. And I, I really, yeah, I really think they're going to be good. There's not as much to talk about with the Giants as the Cowboys. And I think that's a, um, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's definitely not a bad thing. Like the Cowboys have, the reason why we spent so much time on the Cowboys, they have one incredibly exceptional unit and then mm-hmm. just a bunch of bad things to talk about. I think what we'll see a lot is in um, all things considered here, in order for my next statement to hold true. Aaron Rodgers cannot be a member of the Denver Broncos. But, you know, if you look and you see a guy, if Drew Locke is the quarterback, and the Giants, if the Giants can hold their own against that Denver team to start the year with KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, you know, if they can hold their own with that team, they can be very good in the NFC East. Because as bad as the Denver Broncos are, they're not that they're not that much worse than everybody in the NFC East outside of Dallas. Yeah. And you know, Denver's and, another team that mu- is looking to be much improved this year too, I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and I, where I get confidence from a little bit is looking at the odds makers out in Vegas that only have the giants as a minus or sorry, as a plus one underdog right now. Yeah. And that is, inc- that is with the Aaron Rodgers rumor circulated. You well, have to, 
you have to assume that rumor may not be affecting the line yet mm-hmm. from the odds maker's perspective, but it is affecting the way money is coming in. Yeah. And the Giants are the Giants are still holding well. Um, you know, it, it basically started out as a pick'em. Now it's down to a Giants are getting a point, but I really think that it looks to me if the Giants can hold their own in that game. I'm not necessarily saying win that game, but if as a very very new unit can stack up against that Denver team, I think it's going to show that the Giants have they they might be able to have a run in them. Yeah, I mean personally, I I think the Giants will be in contention with that division right up until right up until the final week probably. If not the final week, probably the final two weeks. Uh, a super way too early prediction for me has them coming in second place in that division, a game out of the lead. Mm. I, I will be happy to hear second place. Um, I'm going to give the Giants, and this is partially because I'm a Giants fan, also because I really do believe in Joe Judge. I And I really do believe in what the Giants are building. I'm also, you know, I'm also going to say that they're second place, but I'm not going to say that they're, I'm not going to say they're the game out the way you are, okay. but I'm going to, I'm going to go well, ahead and throw I'm, I'm also I'm factoring go throw... in, I think the division winner is probably still just going to be uh, nine and eight, maybe 10 and seven. I think if the division winner is nine and eight, the Giants have won the division. Okay. What, what I'm going to say is we saw and this is, you know, you're gonna you can yell for a second after I say this, so I'll give you your free time to yell about it. Okay. We saw collusion come from Dallas and Philly in the draft. Interdivision <laughs> draft interdivision draft picks are not I, I, I don't think they're fine. Um if I was commissioner of the NFL, I wouldn't I, I just wouldn't allow them. But then also you saw the way Philly treated the Giants when they had a very realistic chance to beat the Washington team and give the Giants the playoffs. They couldn't do it. I think what happens again is Philly finds a way to hand the division over to the division winner. And since I already told you that I don't think it's the Giants, I think Philly hands it over. And I told you Dallas finishes fourth. I guess I accidentally just spoiled my division winner. Oh, we actually agree on division winner then. Okay, then. (laughs) (laughs) I will say though, I still do like what the Giants. Ma- what made you think that I thought believed in Philly? Uh, we'll get to we'll get there when we talk about Philly. I I have, I have Philly last place in this division. I think Philly's bad. Wow. Even with the fact that you, okay, we'll get there. And we'll oh, get there we'll we'll, we'll um, get to, we'll get to Philly. We might still be placing a bet that involves Philly. It, it might be like an over under on like four wins though. So. Um, yeah, what happened with uh, you know, since you brought up my own 13 season, I'm gonna ask you, you last year we had an over under bet where you had uh, Tampa Bay not winning seven games. Oh, uh, wait, no, no, it wasn't seven games, it was it was uh, New England Patriots versus Tampa Bay. Oh, Buccaneers. yes, that's what it was. That's what yeah, it no. was. You had you had the Patriots, and I got the Bucs. you know, funny enough, though, um, our when we were doing that as an over under bet, we had it at uh, we had Tampa Bay at 10 wins. I, I, I put Tampa Bay on 10 and, and you said it was over, but then we eventually modified that, which you would have been right. Uh, Cause they uh, had 11 wins at the end. Um, I took the Patriots straight up against the Buccaneers last year because I believed that Cam Newton was the answer. Um, 
it yeah i was very wrong as far as that one goes <laughs> so uh it was a bold move though i will when the afc show comes around i'm actually going to defend cam newton this year and say that last year was an aberration and um it, it probably just goes to show that i'm a, a, a fool sticking by him but i think there's a lot of things that uh went against cam last year that um would not have gone against him in a normal season but that's I mean, not well it makes sense the guy did it makes sense he did get COVID. yeah th- there's so but th- you know that's a topic for a different show but uh yeah no mm-hmm. if i'm gonna bring up owen 13 i have to definitely give you props because i was not calling the buccaneers anywhere near the playoffs i thought that the I thought that the uh, the previous five years, I, I will hold to, I don't think that, um, I think Brady would have faded further to obscurity if he was in a cold weather environment. But the fact mm-hmm. that he actually got to play his home games and uh, his original rounds, uh, his original round in Florida and his middle round of the playoffs in a dome, I think that helped preserve him a lot and keep some of the age off this year. He only had to play the one cold weather game um, late in the season, and obviously that's when they went to Green Bay. And I think anyone can can play uh, play strong for one game if if that's it. So uh, so I definitely think that there is something to be said about him not having to play the whole December in in the right. cold in New England. Um, but apparently it wasn't age; it was a combination of age and weather that was getting that it was getting up to, uh, with him in the you know, in, in the later, uh, in the later years, but yeah, no Brady looked uh, great last year. I'm, I'm done arguing against him being, I'm done arguing against him being the goat. He is the goat. <laughs> um, I do have to say this. I will point it out every single year that he is getting older. This might be the year that we see the drop off because I'm not going to, with how long I've said that, if I stop saying it at this point, the, the year I stop saying it is going to be the year he falls apart as a result of age. So I can't, you, you get what I'm saying, right? I can't oh, be wrong yeah. when it happens. If I've been wrong seven or eight years going into it. So, right. Um, so let's, let's talk about Philly. Um, who's quarterback and who's quarterback in that team. Oh my goodness. That uh, They want you to believe that Jalen hurts. I've saw, I've seen some way too early fantasy quarterback rankings where Jalen hurts is the sixth ranked quarterback in the league. Uh, I'm not going to say who that was or anything, but you guys can start looking it up. Jalen hurts is a top 10 quarterback by a quite, by a few different, uh, uh, by a few different fantasy uh, personalities. And man, um, what am I missing? Because I know that uh, you think that, well, I'm not going to say that it wasn't the Eagles sticking it to the Giants when they benched um, um, when they benched Hertz. But I also will go on record and saying I don't think Hertz was going to beat them anyway. I think Hertz gave them the best chance to win that game. Yeah, but I, I you know, I, I don't think that I think Hertz was just going to continue to. You know, I'm just gonna say it. I was. I think he was gonna continue to suck like he was sucking that 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 whole game. Um, I don't. Think would, I, I look at it that he can break a run. He is. He is what we thought Lamar. Okay, I need to rephrase this. He is what most people thought Lamar was. I personally thought Lamar should have been a much higher first round pick. Mm-hmm. 
I think I'm I think at this point I'm right. I think if you ask in two years, I'm wrong. But I think you know he is what we thought Lamar was, and that is a running back that can throw a football. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I'm not comfortable saying anything about this Eagles offense whatsoever. Uh the, the game's well behind Sanders. The fact that they keep on bringing their running backs, they they don't know what they're doing with the run game. Um, they brought uh, Deontay Harrison, but uh, as far as wide receivers, but I'm looking and I'm like, okay, so he's going to be thrown to the Wolves day one because right. who else on that team is healthy? Are you telling me Ertz and Goddard are the answer? No, they, they haven't been the answer yet. Like I'm looking through and, I don't I can speak with more confidence when I say how bad the Cowboys defense is because I've given mm-hmm. it the time and I've actually invested in to see if there is any angle. Philly's offense to me is so lackluster that I actually haven't even put in the time to try to figure out if it could work. Yeah, I don't think um I don't think they're good. I don't think that there's really a realistic even realm where I can see Philly being okay. Um, It's very easy to put them on four wins and 13 losses this year. I, I, you know, if, if, if I didn't think that Dallas was going to implode so drastically, and I didn't think that the egos were going to get in the way. And but Dallas is going to accidentally win games. Philly can't accidentally win games. Right. I mean, they just and, and I, I guess I, I I don't understand what they're doing at all in Philly. And signing Joe Flacco to a a pretty substantial contract. Um. They they need to figure out a solution there. They I thought. I think they might have their quarterback. They clearly don't. Um, yeah, they, they don't know. that. That's the whole thing. Like, uh, You know, I thought they had their running back. They, it doesn't seem they do. Like, they think it. And I think that's what speaks the most of it to me about the Eagles is they don't believe in themselves. What, what reason is there for any of us to think that they're going to be remotely okay? when they clearly don't think they're going, their guys are, are good. Yeah. And I get it. They have, you know, that receiver core leaves some level for optimism because, you know, uh, Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham uh, have all been names that you would expect to produce based off of either college history or, um, uh, or what they did in the NFL last year. But, they're, it's not exactly the receiving core that ex- inspires uh, confidence that they will be great there. Like, it, we can, yes, those names sound pretty impressive, but then you go to Tampa Bay and you get the Mike Evans, Godwin, Brown as the top three, and you get to, uh, though Kansas City um, has uncertainty at two and three, at least they have the number one Tyree kill. Same with Devontae Adams. Every team that has... Um, Every team that has three legit wide receivers, they're better than Fulgham, Smith, and Rager. 
And every team right. that doesn't has one who's definitively better than any of the three. And I guess the reason I put Philly as your third place team is I, I, I just think Dallas isn't, isn't going to play well together. Okay. But then on top of that, I think that you're going to look at Dallas. You're going to wonder a lot. Of, there's a lot of questions in Dallas that they that I think they have to answer to. Um, and I think Jalen Hurts is a – you know – I, I apologize about that. Uh, I accidentally stood up and pulled out a headphone. Oh, no worries. <laughs> I think Jalen Hurts is good. Um, I, I, I would. Yeah, I don't know, know Jalen Hurts well enough. Like, I, I just know that if anyone predicting him as a top ten quarterback this year is clearly seeing mm-hmm. something that I'm not seeing. I mean, I think one thing we have to look at with Jalen is he—he's a proven winner, man. He—he's won everywhere he's been, except for Philadelphia last year. In his rookie year where the team, you know, if we're being honest, right, at what point in that season, the entire season, did you think that they they weren't going to start Carson Wentz over Jalen Hurts or that Jalen wasn't playing with Wentz hanging over his shoulder ready to come in? Fair enough. And that's nothing against Carson. I think Carson's, I think Carson's a fantastic athlete. I think I, he has a good second shot with the Colts. I Yeah, I tip my hats to the Colts. Um sleeper deep pick here you know it's not even that deep he's on every one of my teams except for uh in loaf but uh michael pittman i i think michael pittman jr is going to really revitalize carson once his career yeah um and i, I, I think, think that this that, year i think that that think, uh, trade between uh philly and indy actually makes sense for both teams too but then to follow it up with uh bringing in flacco um, just adds to the confusion. I think what they did with Flacco, and I think what I think it's the reason I like it is because it shows that <laughs> Jalen's job is secure. The reason I don't like it is I just think they way overpaid for you know they way way overpaid for a Joe Flacco. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and let's touch on the defense really quick because. You know, a lot of what we're saying with Jalen Hurts is is just, uh, I think the right word would be confusion, right? We're, we're, we're not 100% sure where they're going because right, yep. we don't know we're where the confused. Eagles are going. Um, if you told us that with competent leadership that the uh, that a team was starting Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Rager, Smith, and Fulgham, then I would actually feel pretty decent about that offense. But I think yeah. what the front office has shown up to this point in time that they are very non-committal to whatever they have going on, and thus it depreciates the talent on it depreciates the talent all the way around, and it makes it that much harder for a very young offense to succeed. And right. maybe the and, Flacco uh, move was to was to bring some veteran leadership. To that young offense, but um, I, for me, it just adds more confusion. On the defensive yeah, and- side, they brought back mm-hmm. a fair amount of people. You know, like you know, Barnett's back, Hargrave's back, Cox, Graham, 
Alex Singleton, who, by the way, um, quick plug for I, IDP awareness. That's individual defensive players awareness. awareness. Uh, Alex Singleton may be the most underrated linebacker in football, maybe the most underrated defensive player in football. He makes big plays when they count, and he mm-hmm. and he's really good at tracking sideline to sideline, and he can line up against anyone outside of the wide receivers. He can trail the quarterback. He can trail the running back. He can guard the tight end. Um, right. He has a clutch factor that's definitely there, too. Yeah, 100%. It's and yet somehow I I don't hear his name mentioned anywhere at all. <laughs> I I think it's part of the Philly conundrum though that the team is so confusing. Yeah. that you don't know what's going on there. And the reason I have them third over Dallas is because their defense has the ability that they're not going to have to score 30 to win a game my only concern and uh, is when it comes down to the division okay mm-hmm. that defense might be able to limit the giants and that defense could definitely take advantage of a bad day from ryan fitzpatrick because let's be honest ryan fitzpatrick has bad days um, oh absolutely he does but they're not stopping ryan fitzpatrick when he's on and they're not stopping that cowboys offense yeah, I think the reason that I like their defense over Dallas is, is Dallas has more star power on that defense. But their names that we're talking about where you're, man, like you look at a Lawrence and you're like, whew, that guy's great. And then was great. we have the, con- yeah, that's what I was going to say. We have the conundrum where, as, and I think we all have this right now, right? Like, um, in a basketball sense, right? Because it's basketball playoff time. Game yeah. podcast is for those listening in the future. When you look at like a basketball, you're almost saying still like you're looking at a guy and you're saying, "Man, Rajon Rondo's so good," but then you realize <laughs> he's actually the he's actually the seventh man right now, you know? And <laughs> was so good. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing with Dallas's defense is most of those guys you you say, "Man, that guy's so good," and you then you f- remember. You're not a you're not a young kid anymore watching these guys play, you know, while you're you know, you're not watching these guys play while they're in their prime. Yeah. You're seeing guys that are past their prime now in Dallas, which is the problem Jerry Jones produces to a team of that he just Jerry Jones is very much like a George George Steinbrenner in baseball. <laughs> but uh, you know, the the fortunate thing for, for the Yankee fans out there is that baseball doesn't have a salary cap. It has a luxury tax. So when you go over what the salary cap number is, you have to pay 10% of your fees to other teams that are under the salary cap, whereas football actually has that hard cap. Yeah. So you can't overpay for a name the way that Dallas has been doing. And correct me if I'm wrong, they they just dished out a lot of money to both Dak and Zeke, right? That oh right that uh Zeke I know Zeke got paid like crazy. Did, did Dak get did Dak get paid crazy or did he get um you know what yeah Dak uh, got a before I yeah we're... before I say anything here fill the dead space while I'm looking up quarterback contracts. Okay yeah I'm just saying you know I have it up here that yeah Dak got one sixty. 
Yeah, but how does that compare? How does that compare to other quarterback contracts? It makes him only second to Patrick Mahomes. Oh wow! Yeah, no, my Uh, bad. For some reason, I thought it was like fourth or fifth. Uh, I could not have been more wrong. Second to Pat Mahomes. Second to Pat Mahomes, and And the Pat Mahomes one will never be touched. Right. Um, you know, and because we look at 160 and we say 160 is a lot of money to most of us, <laughs> it, it's not it's not insane when you're looking at a, a franchise player that generates way more than that for his team. And that's, you know, if you ever want to get into an economics podcast, uh, you know, as like a one off type thing where I would love to talk about the economics of football. Um, Definitely. I will. Yeah, yeah. I will have more questions than answers, but I wouldn't mind doing an interview about that with you at some point in time yeah i am um, i you know obviously right now i'm focusing on divisions but we're gonna have some yeah. uh we're gonna have some days in later july and uh early august that we're gonna need to fill with something that isn't uh breaking news or isn't predictions yeah. i mean four years though is what Dak got and that's where i'm trying to get to is that got four years for 160 it yeah. breaks down to 40 million dollars a season for a guy that we when's he getting back we think he's coming back right away but is he um well all the signs indicate it because he looks like he's had a great like borderline miraculous off-season recovery and i also look at it now though is you know you you, we go back to the zeke thing and this is where i just want to wrap up with the eagles philly does not have an ego problem on that team and i think that if you can find a way to rally that team together they want to win together and they want to win for each other. Zeke and Dak both want to get paid. See, and- my biggest thing with why I flop the two teams is because whenever confusion surrounds a franchise, that always feels like it's the worst possible feeling because you don't know what weighs up, you mm. don't know what weighs down, and you don't know how to get out of it. It feels see, a lot see- more it feels a lot right. more like Bill O'Brien just left your franchise. That's see, you couldn't make you couldn't make it a whole episode without bringing. Up oh no! I, as a matter of fact, I have committed to taking shots at Bill O'Brien every single episode, and I hope I eventually he till, hears. So <laughs> I can't wait till he's a Jets quarterback or a Jets coach one day. Oh, isn't that where all coaches go to die? And that is that is the first day that you will uh, hear me break <laughs> the family friendly uh, uh, stance on this podcast. If Bill so, O'Brien then, becomes, know, I, I will do a, uh, yeah, I will definitely do a mature show if Bill O'Brien becomes affiliated with the Jets organization. So just wrapping up the Eagles um, so we can get to the the Washington football team here. I, I think Philly's, you know, they're, they're okay. Um, I'll watch them. You know, I'm not going to purposely avoid a Eagles game. The, I don't purposely but, uh, avoid I mean, any game. Maybe the Texans this year. But I, if we're being honest, if you put the Texans, if you put the Texans with uh, you know versus a lot of teams out there, you, versus you know, a lot of teams, who would you watch the Texans play against this year? I'd watch them play against a good team. Um, what one I will, I mean, I think we'll all be honest when they're playing their primetime game. We're going to have to check to see if like American Ninja Warriors on first. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You're, you're going to be looking. Uh, I don't think. Hold on. 
I mean, I don't think that the Texans are going to be enjoyable. I think for most Ooh. people, I think for most people, if you put, put the Texans playing in their backyard and open both windows, you're probably still not going to get them to care. But I think, and by the way, it's an, it's no fault of the Houston Texans franchise or players. I just want to say this once again. I, I legitimately mm-hmm. feel bad for that franchise because they were destroyed by a one-man wrecking crew who who did something pretty legendary as far as sports go. Because I can't remember the last time that any uh, individual destroyed a franchise as badly as Bill O'Brien did in any sport. So do you you know how the NFL's stance that every team gets one primetime game during the course of a year? Yeah. I just pulled it up to make sure before I misspoke. The Houston Texans have one primetime game all cool. year. Who who is it against? It's a Thursday night game against the Carolina Panthers that happens to be the same night. And I, I mean again, I'm a base I like baseball a lot. Don't hide it. That happens to be, I know the night off the top of my head, that week three game happens to be the same night that the MLB regular season ends. And we're going to get games flexed for the MLB schedule that will go into prime time, you know, to see if a team wins or and they make the playoffs or they lose and they go home. I don't think it's coincidental that, yeah, the, right. NF, that the NFL threw that up against a night where they, they knew they probably weren't going to be the top sport anyway. But, but it's kind of great that we get to see, for those of us who do decide to watch that game, we get to potentially see Christian McCaffrey make history in some sort of way. Yeah, because that Texans team's rough. Um, like, I, like, I do want to... Like first 300-yard rushing game in a, in a regular NFL season? Maybe? I know we're talking about the NFC East, and I, I don't want to d- sidetrack too much from that. But yeah. um, I do want to say that you're, you're being a little harsh on Bill O'Brien. Ma- <laughs> management... Management did turn the keys over to him. Management okay. did allow those things to happen. Yeah, they management did. Also, management also allowed Deshaun to get to a point. And, and let's take away all his off-field stuff right now because we do live in a country that, yeah. you know, I'm proud that I, I'm proud to say I defended this nation. And it is a country yes. where it is a country where you're innocent until you're proven guilty. Um, boy, does it look bad for Deshaun. Oh, yeah. uh, but you're innocent. You're innocent until proven guilty. Um, that ownership team got. Well, that's Sean not us Watson. defending him either. Like, no. want to make that clear. That's not us defending. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I will. You know, I will say that you're innocent until proven guilty. But any man that does that to a woman, um, and I hope this, I, I hope this doesn't offend any of your listeners because I hope that none of them are this are that type of guy. No, no. I, but, um, I, I hope it, I hope it does offend them because I don't want them listening to the podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, but I didn't want to cost you any listeners. But uh, any man that that forces himself on a woman, not not okay. Yeah. But right now, but right now we don't know Deshaun did that for a fact. But I'm gonna say that you know JJ Watt was your franchise guy. He won a Walter Payton Man of the Year award for your city. And he left. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some off the field stuff that you can look into with the JJ situation. I don't want to take any time on this podcast to talk about it. But if you're really bored one day and you really want something fun to read, you should look up JJ wife's JJ Watts wife's situation with the Houston uh, women's soccer team who happens to be owned by the same ownership team. 
And if you really want to get a perspective as to what's going on in Houston, I would, and you really want a good football perspective and figure out what the heck is happening with the Texans, I would encourage you to go look at what that same ownership team has done in the past with their other sports teams that they own. That That's very fair. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, we, we don't, we don't have time for that tonight. It's yeah. Well, we're getting to the Washington football team, which is the last one. I think we both agree that that team is, that team is scary. Um, let's let we are going to start with the defense on this one because you know i've said we we start at the top a few other times well the the top is the defense here okay right. so i'm not going to ask how good are they going to be this year i'm not going to ask are they going to be the best defense in the nfl this year i'm going to ask you straight up how many nfl records are they going to break this season i think a substantial amount um i do think we disagree actually uh, I don't think they're the best defense in football this year. Oh, okay. I think they're the second best defense in football this year. Tampa Bay or New England? Neither one, actually. Um, the Buffalo Bills. Huh. But uh, we could get we could talk about that offline, so we don't take more time from this podcast for this one. But I think that defense is so talented. De- definitely I- a historic defense, even if even if not number one, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to, to take it to where I actually believe about this team, I really hope that my, you know, my New York Giants quarterback and running back accidentally eat some really bad Chinese food the day before the game. <laughs> um, I don't want my team playing up against them twice. I don't want my I don't want to see the Giants star players play them twice. Um, that Washington team is not only. So this is, I mean this, but in a good way. Um, it's going to come out kind of bad, I think, for for older listeners. Your younger listeners won't understand anything I'm about to say. But that team is not just good. They're John Lynch level good. Ooh. Which, you know, to break that down a little bit, it's they're exceptionally talented, but they're going to be exceptionally aggressive and ruthless. Oh, no, and it's not 100%. A, uh, I, I'm not saying the bounty. I'm going to throw level. out the name Kevin Green, since you mm. threw out John uh, John Lynch. <laughs> I'm not saying they're bounty gate level because I don't think they're dirty. I think they're just so unnaturally gifted. No, but they're they're just and, they're going to hurt a lot of players not trying. To. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're they're fast. They're strong. They're they're gritty. I mean, you, when you close your eyes and you ask yourself to. You close your eyes, you ask yourself to think about a Chase Young play, but the play you're going to go to is when he played with South Carolina, and he literally hit a guy so hard that the helmet came off, the football came out, and he went in for you know a scoop and score. Yeah. And that was when he – and I know, I know you're saying the NFL talent is different. They are. NFL quarterback bodies are not that much different than college football quarterback bodies. Um, they're, a little, they're a little better. But – Man, you got to think Chase Young's actually going to – Chase Young has the chance to actually break somebody in half this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that he's sharing a line with other people who could easily get to the quarterback uh, – by the way, we're just going to say all the names. We, we mentioned Chase Young already, Montez Sweat, Darren Payne, Jonathan Allen, a few people that rotate in too the, who are really talented. Yep. Um, I'll get, Which is those why I – I don't know if he's going to break the sack record 
per, uh, you know, the single season uh, individual sack rest record, but that line is definitely breaking the, uh, the, the team oh. sack record this year. I feel like. absolutely. If you are in a league that is, if you're at a fantasy league that is not IDP and you just draft a defense, that is your defense. Go ahead and take them very early on. Okay. I, um, I, I wanted to confirm. They still had uh Matt, uh, I own, Oh yeah. I own Natus. There yep, we go. I'm not going to try to make you, pro- I'm not going to try to make you pronounce it. They do. <laughs> yeah. But that uh, team is th- just... that's, so they even have the guy who can rotate in to keep them fresh too, which is just yep. freakishly scary because you have five guys rotating in and out. Um, th- that line there is, I know we the, talk about lines, uh, uh, good offensive lines in this league. Like we mentioned Dallas's earlier, there's no such thing as a good offensive line versus that defensive line. It's so not a matter mean, of if your quarterback no. is going to get hit. It's how bad the repercussions of your quarterback getting hit are going to be. Right. And there's nowhere to roll out with that. T- you know, it's not like with, with every other team, basically you have a safe zone. You can yeah, kind because of roll if somehow you get past them, that guy they had in the draft, Jamin Davis, he is yep. going to take you down and punish you because he's coming at a much faster speed than any of them. Oh, yeah. And here, here so here's the question. Um, I, can I ask you two quick questions about this Washington defense? Sure. The first question is how many 100-yard rushing games do they allow? Zero. 17-game season this year. Zero. Do you think they allow zero? Yeah. How many two? Well, hold on. Is yards... Christian McCaffrey on the schedule? Yes. Is Derrick Henry on the schedule? Uh, I don't know. I can pull that for you real quick. Yeah, let's pull the schedule real quick. I want. I'm looking for Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry. Okay. So and I'm looking and for when and where also on those games. Okay. Because um, I'm not looking at any other running that back to be able to do it, and I get it. They have Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott in that division. I don't care that right. they have those two in that division. And I'm not racist. I'm just pointing out a fun fact for you. Yeah. If you Google Washington Redskins, Google still gets you. Google still has your back. So <laughs> okay. uh, they do play. They do play Carolina in Carolina. When is that? The, at November 21st. Okay. Christian McCaffrey probably will get 100 on them. Uh, they play Aaron Jones. Don't care. And outside of that, that is um, – Wow. Um, I, I'm just looking back through one more time to make sure I'm not missing anything because, you know, internet and stuff. Yeah, outside of them, outside of Christian McCaffrey and Zeke, they played not a single other top 10 running back. Okay, so I'm just going to say this. If it is a game where Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing early and he is on mm-hmm. there will uh, against Carolina, there will be zero 100-yard rushers against them this season. Now here's the question I real I'm gonna put you on the spot here though. Okay. I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you to take this a step further because I think everybody everybody can agree it's at least under three. You know, yeah. if you put the over under at three and a half, you take the under on that. Yeah. How many two hundred yard total offensive games do they hold teams to under? How many so basically wording that different better? Uh, how many times do they hold the opposing team to under two hundred total offensive yards? Uh, who, who are just give me a quick rundown of their schedule. Yeah, I still, uh, I still have it pulled up here. So let me just unlock my phone. <clears throat> so skipping the preseason, 
It's the Chargers, Giants, Bills, Falcons, Saints, Chiefs, Packers, Broncos, Buccaneers, Panthers, Seahawks, Raiders, Cowboys, Washington, then Washington. Or sorry, not Washington. Sorry. Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles. That is, I think, where that schedule is the easiest for them is they play the Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. On what is a very rough schedule to hold people under that number because they have the AFC West in there. I think they still hold opponents under 200 yards at least six times, probably seven. And that's insane. That's insane to me because you say that number and I could realistically see it coming true. Especially when you look at the fact that Washington's got the ability this year to do the most to do one of the most painful things that any of us that love football walk can, can stand, man, they can, they, they can kill the clock this year. Yeah. Cause I, I, I because don't Antonio Gibson factors into this. Right. Um, I don't think it's unrealistic to say between Fitzpatrick and Gibson, you could realistically be looking at a, a 10 minute drive sometimes. Yeah. You, you know, oh, by the way, in, We've only commented on that defensive line and Jamin Davis uh, yet uh, at this point in time. The rest of that linebacker mm-hmm. core is Cole Holcomb, John Bostic, and listen to the secondary. Willie, uh, Willie Jackson, Cameron Curl, Landon Collins, Kendall Fuller, and yeah, my bad. Uh, I was about to it's say. Insane. Uh, it's insane to me because I just did this with uh, a good friend of mine the other day. We were sitting at we were sitting in uh in our office at work and it don't worry it was after work time was over for any of you people that care about that kind of thing because <laughs> just so you know just so you know not doing your work at work is bad from your employer. But we weren't we were off the clock. I'm sour anyway. So but we were <laughs> he was off the clock, and uh, we actually discussed the idea that the NFC champion this year could realistically be a team with no name, and not because <laughs> their offense is that good. But their defense is just that. It, man, I. There is going to be some sort of turnover record, whether it's forced fumbles or whether it's total turnovers. There's going to be some sort of sack record, whether it's individual player or or team as a whole or front four as a whole or or all of the above. Um, there's. Uh, can I see them occasionally giving up a big play? Yes, because somehow if you manage to get by all of that. In theory, they could still be beat deep, uh, be beat deep, be and there's guys like Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams on their schedule, so it's it's not unrealistic to think that um, points will get scored because, but that's mainly because their mindset is going to be attack. This is going to be a yeah, defense I mean, that attacks. It's not going to be a defense that defends. This is going to be a defense that's the reason you lost. The you. You yep. were beat by that defense. You weren't contained by that defense. You were beat by that defense. And to take it to another entirely another level too on this. So Devontae Adams, he's great. You know, we again don't know who's throwing the football to him. But uh I know you I still you think I it's Aaron Rodgers. I don't see any reason the I don't see the uh the the hard evidence on Aaron Rodgers' social media account or the Packers mm-hmm. social media accounts or the direct quote anywhere that implies that he's I, not going to be a Packer. But, okay, so I'll give you it. And, you know, Tyree Kill, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the whole the whole yeah. team is just, oh, my goodness. But um, 
But I, they're going to give Mahomes fits. Mahomes is going to get hit that game. Yeah, you have, to get time. you have to get those guys to get open. So, if you, you know, if you have a subpar secondary with that defensive front, it's going to be hard for a quarterback to put up a good game anyway because yeah. he's going to continuously be picking the grass out of his face mask. That internal clock that all quarterbacks have, you know, it says, okay, I got to throw it before I get hit from the blind side. Yep. That clock is going to be very accelerated. That team is going, that team has that ability that they're going to make you cry. And I, I'm a, I, I am a Sam Donald supporter. I know you're a Jet fan. I'm a Sam Donald supporter. So, uh, but I, I hope this doesn't hurt too bad. That Sam Donald ghost game against the Patriots, man, that's going to look like a good game against this team some of the times this year. Yeah, yeah, no. There, <laughs> I mean, there, there will be more than I, one quarterback seeing ghosts against that defense. And here's the crazy I, thing. Yeah. Even if they suffer an, uh, a couple of injuries, they're still, they're still that scary. Like, yeah, I don't I, think I'm, you're... I don't think you're out of your mind if you if you can realistically say that you see a game where they get they get four and four you know four quality sacks and four turnovers. Yeah, that that defense is so good. We haven't even touched on what I think makes that team even more special than their defense. Yeah, let's go into that because we've been given a lot of praise and uh, yeah. Um, I, are I we talking? Is- we talking about some Fitz magic here? We are. I mean. His swagger, he has the opportunity. You and I talked about it, you know, off off the line. He has the opportunity to be the first quarterback to ever beat every other NFL, every team, team in the NFL. And he's got the beard, the swagger, the Hawaiian shirt, and the chest hair. Yeah, I mean, he is what Gardner Minshew wanted to be. <laughs> and he's not even trying to be it. No, he's just so true to himself. Then, then He's you just have, both you know, degenerated and evolved into it. Yeah, and you, then you get guys like Gibson out there, and and I think this is uh, who's the uh, who's the Washington. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank, and this is embarrassing. Washington's young quarterback they've got. That's um, not named Haskins. Yeah, give me give me one moment. It's uh, Heineke, Taylor Heineke. Yes, yes. Uh, he, uh, his pa- his Magic's a- going to be a great mentor for Heineke. Heineke's going to be yep. ready to take over that team. But I think what separates Heineke from some people like Gatua, for instance, I don't think they're ever going to be looking to turn the team over to Heineke. Well, I uh, think Fitzmagic is a one-year solution where they where they look to go forward from there. And if if he gets them a deep run into the playoffs, they have to give thoughts to bringing him back. Um, they have to, especially you and I have talked about it. Not only does he have a chance to beat every NFL team, that's just a cool little accolade. Yeah, that's that's awesome. He is a borderline, and, and I know that this is going to be controversial. I'm not saying first ballot, but he's a borderline Hall of Famer at this He stage. needs to win. But with he this defense and with these right, weapons on offense, he can win this year. Like, are, are we right. crazy to think that the Washington football team could win this year? I don't think so. I think that, you know, I think the, the Washington football team has a very real chance, and I know that that flies in the face of me, Tony, to bet $100 and the Giants to win 560 um, I'm also the same guy that, you know, I threw down like 50 bucks on the Knicks to win 10,000 if they win the NBA championship. Every year, I th- every year I look at some ridiculous, you know, futures bets, and I say that one could hit. But, you know, the, the, the Washington football team, 
And the reason I think that if you're not in Las Vegas and it's not your profession is unbettable for a futures pick, they're basically plus money to win the division. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a division where Vegas has to factor in the Cowboys and the Jalen Hurts factor. And they still look at it and say, nope, that, that's, that's the football team's. Yeah, well, because obviously the eliteness of that defense, but let, let, let's talk about Fitzmagic's weapons for, for a minute. He has Terry McLaurin. He has Curtis Samuel. He has uh, Deami Brown coming off, the, uh, coming off the bench, who will probably be sh- starting the whole second half of that season. He has Antonio Gibson. Right. He, has one, he has one of the top pass catching third down backs in the league in J.D. McKissick. Oh, yeah. He's got and weapons. And Logan Thomas uh, emerged as as a top tight end option last year, the, the offensive right. line, I wouldn't call it elite by any stretch, but it's still a decent offensive line. Now if you're an will... NFL corner. Yeah. What, which of those guys are you volunteering to go up against? Say, you know, say we live in this extreme world where corners get to talk to their coach and say, I think that's a good matchup for me. What, what are those guys do you volunteer to go up against? Well, I mean, you go against the one that fits your skill set the best because one of the other great things about this Washington offense is the fact that how diverse all the weapons are. Yeah, I think any, but what I'm saying is I think no matter who you are, any of those guys have the opportunity to put up a hundred yard game on you, man. You know what? After talking about this even more, I'm, I actually feel kind of funny that I said that the division winner would be 10 and seven or nine and eight. And I feel kind of funny saying the giants would be a game out. This that's, could be a situation where, I, I you know, the, that's why I put the Giants at second place, and I said they are definitely not a game out. We have to uh, factor in that Fitz Magic will cost Washington a couple of games at the very least, and we also I, have to factor I, in. I don't be, concede that, but well, he's he's done it. He's done it in almost every team, but maybe this is different. Maybe this is the year he wins his Super Bowl ring, like. Oh man, I so let, I know how much that. I love defense, so I don't want to get carried away. But I, I, I guess it wouldn't be unrealistic to see this as a twelve and five team. You and I were—I'm going to date us here, and for the for your listeners that don't understand how our how our ages stack up right now, they're going, they're going to get it. During the seventeen and zero Patriots run, you and I were in college together. Um, <laughs> we, we weren't hanging out that much at that point, but we were in Wait college. We weren't still in college together. I think that was the, uh, my first year out. Uh, are you that much older than me? No, because we were working at the same place together and we only worked at that place for one year. I only worked there for one year. Didn't it happen? When was that year? Was it? It was, it was my sophomore year. So the 07 season, the 07 Super Bowl. Oh, it was my senior year. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I, I only knew that because we were working at the same place together, and that's where I met you and your lovely bride. Um, well, thank you, thank you. And then for those listeners that don't know, the one thing JML can do better than talk about football is uh, pick, a, pick a good woman that lets him talk about football. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, no, uh, I have a great wife. And by the way, she is, uh, she is the female member of our, uh, of our fantasy football league. Um, I'm uh, trying to get her to co-host a podcast with me sometime. She, uh, if you feel like leaving an encouragement, co- uh, encouraging comment to ask Sarah to be a part of one of the shows, she feels very shy about uh, doing a podcast that a lot of people might hear, but she, she has the football chops and talent to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. She does. Um, 
By the way, yeah. she's also the one in our dynasty league who had the foresight to use the third pick overall in last year's draft to put Chase Young on her team. So that she is, is going to be very, uh, she's going to be benefiting very much from, uh, <laughs> from what we are saying about Washington right now. So, you know, we flash back to that, that season, that miraculous run. And I got to ask back to what we were saying, what I was saying, I have to ask you, do you put that Eli Manning above Fitzpatrick? That Eli Manning won a Super Bowl off his defense, which if we're if we're looking at the 07, you know, that that Giants defense with Strahan and all those JPP, Justin Tuck, you know, probably the best Giants defense that I'll ever get to witness. And this Washington defense is that much better. Right. And then you look and you say, okay, it was a year after it was a the year after Tiki left. So so the run game wasn't that great. Gibson's better. Then you look at the wide receiving core and you say David Tyree had one great catch. But for those of you that don't know, that catch was done by a guy that legitimately got cut by the by his practice squad. That that was a freak thing. David Tyree never did anything else in his entire career. Um here's my um, biggest issue. I've seen too many uh, five interception games from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But with that said, I've seen probably too many four interception games from Eli Manning. Right. And, you know, at that point, you look at, you even look and you say, how is a Giants fan comparing Ryan Fitzpatrick to uh, Eli Manning, though? Because for the sake of your podcast, I'm trying to be realistic and say that. I think Eli has an a, a intangible that Ryan fitzpatrick doesn't have but i probably would take but what i think ryan fitzpatrick has what i think ryan fitzpatrick has that eli never did is you look at any moment in any point in time and you have to you, you say yes eli never gave up he never quit you know he he lived like kind of that mantra of just keep playing right that's Ryan Fitzpatrick in a nutshell. Right, but where Eli, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick separates himself too is <clears throat> there's times you looked at Eli on the sidelines and he was going to go out there and he was going to give you his best, best effort. But there's a lot of times as a Giants fan, I saw Eli with his helmet on where I, I didn't think Eli thought there was a chance that the Giants were going to be able to win. And Fitzmagic kind of is, kind of looks for that moment because right. it, it's almost like, what the heck? I got nothing to lose. Right, and you know how we were saying earlier, and I threw out that very dark shot. He's like the Zeke. ultimate chill guy in this league. Like, he really is there is. anyone in football more chill than Ryan Fitzpatrick? And I think what I, you know, I threw the shout out about Zeke not loving the game. I think Fitzpatrick just loves football. It wouldn't be and, shocking and, if five years from now he was still playing, even if he can't get a starting job. I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked if it, in five years from now. Ryan Fitzpatrick is retired out of the NFL and coaching high school football and, you know, or coaching on the pro level. Right. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he can't, like if we we took it to the extreme and said, he's got some issue where he's not a very nice guy and he can't find a coaching job at a high level. I wouldn't even be surprised if you find Ryan Fitzpatrick coaching in his peewee rec league on a Saturday (laughs) because he just wants to be around the game more. And that to me is like that level of intangible that you're not going to find from another quarterback. The guys love playing with him. He's never been on a team where you have 
his former teammates talking trash about him. No. He's, even as a guy who cost us several games, like I'm a Jets fan. Everyone knows that by now. Um, he cost us several games. and uh, But the truth was when Fitzmagic left uh, the New York Jets, I held him no ill will whatsoever. I actually right. loved the time he was there. And, and I, I wished him well. And I, I rooted for him as a Dolphin last year. I don't root for the Dolphins at all, ever, for any reason, unless I we're playing once, the Raiders. <laughs> I think once we get deep into this season and that Washington team is looking real promising, those guys are going to look at Fitz and think, we got to get one for this guy. And once that happens, and once he – I think he's a good leader. I just think he's – Man, I think he's going to be able to do something that we we haven't seen, you know, and and that is just win a Super Bowl as a as an okay quarterback, you know. Maybe let's be honest, he's above average, but I think he's. I'll take him over Trent Dilfer. (laughs) Yes, and honestly, Um, I'm willing to stack this Washington defense versus that Ray Lewis defense with Baltimore. Yeah, I mean. I mean, that Ray Lewis defense had an actual legit murderer on the team. Yeah, I don't and think it was also a different game, different time, and and the strength of that was the, the front seven, and it's more the front four is more important than the front seven was. Mm-hmm. So it's front seven is now. So it's it's different times, different players, uh, but at the same time, it's I think it's that level of of historicness. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's got everything it needs to be. And, yeah. and probably a surplus from what they need and a very weak NFC East where they're also going to be able to rest guys. There's going to be some games where they get to rest guys going forward. They have a very convenient bye week in the dead middle of their schedule. And then they're, I, I could see them getting a first round bye. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. On the first round bye, because the reason I you know, say the first round bye is because they get to play teams like the Giants and the Eagles and the Cowboys twice. Yeah, my, my big thing is if Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer, I really think mm-hmm. a bye comes out of the NFC West, and it will be in. It would be hard to picture Aaron Rodgers not getting a bye over that Washington team. See, I don't look at it as that Washington team. I look at it as that Washington defense. And then I think they're going to have right, man. And with the season going out one extra year or one extra week, I think what we're going to be able to see is colder weather. And, you know, the great thing too, is we're going to get to see that Washington D versus that uh, versus Rogers and Adams. Right. So... And can we, t- can we talk about one for one second here? You know, not the NFC East, but talk about one of the greatest things that's ever happened to mankind. What? That next year when they go out and they add a second bye week, that they've already been talking about and they, they basically have already tentatively agreed to it. Yeah. They're going to keep the same schedule at a second bye week, which for the first time in ever is going to push the Super Bowl to President's Day weekend, which means that the majority of Americans are going to have off on the day after the Super Bowl. That is freaking awesome. So you can hate Roger Goodell all you want. I, I don't like the guy. You can think he's ruining the game a little bit. I, I mean, I think we all agree. I mean, we're not, no one's defending Roger Goodell. But for the first time, we're all going to be, most of us are going to have off the day after the Super Bowl. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, 
But I think, you know, the, back to what we were saying, though, I think that it's a good year for the NFC East um, in, in final, final standings-wise because as bad as some of the teams are, and I do think we only have one playoff team in the division. It would be and, hard to picture that team putting in multiple playoff, that division putting in multiple playoff teams. Right. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily bet against it because because I don't I think there's a lot of uh, questions still surrounding the Giants and the Cowboys like mm-hmm. what if that Giants team is healthy the whole season like oh I mean yeah do we do we think like it, we don't believe that Giants team is going to be healthy the whole season but do we think that that team could potentially um what am I trying to say uh we don't know if a 10 and 7 team will make the playoffs this year as a wild card because we no. don't know what a 17 games uh 17 game schedule looks like. If a 10 and 7 team can make the wild card this year though in that NFC, then there would be no reason to think that if the Cowboys stop shooting themselves in the foot, foot if the Eagles find out a an answer to their their identity, and if the Giants stay healthy, that one of them can't sneak into that ten and seven spot. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I just think that where I'm excited for the NFC East as a fan of the of the division is the fact that we're not going to be a joke this year with our playoff team. Um, and our division. No, because are- Washington is giving that division credibility, even if nobody else steps up. Right, and um. I, I think you'll be able to be below 500 in that division this year and not be like, Oh my gosh, we could have won the playoffs. We could have made the playoffs. Um, Washington's I, I think Washington's just going to, I know you said the giants by one and then you, you kind of backtracked a little bit later when we talked it out a little more. I mean, I have to like, I think that you have to say, man, Washington's going to run away with that division. Yeah. The end of the season for Washington is going to be, where are they seated in the playoffs? Not can they make the playoffs or <clears throat> anything like that. They're going to actually be saying how high of a seed can they get? How many home field games can they get? And can they obtain the buy? And, you know, and don't get me wrong. I still think that uh, San Francisco or uh, L.A. are going to be very mm-hmm. tough orders. Uh, like, I, I believe that they're going to play for the first seed overall in the um, in the last week of the season. And I still think that they're going to be very tough outs for Washington because they're de- they have defenses that can shut down that Washington offense completely, and yeah, they have it- they have <laughs> tough players on offense that can potentially put up the points that they need to put up versus the and Washington I'm not, D. I'm not trying to discredit that statement, but you got a guy that in San Francisco leading a football team that started four games between high school and college. Well, I mean, he's thrown fewer than 350 and uh, 350 passes. Career. I also don't think that Trey Lance is going to be. Uh, I don't think Trey Lance is going to be starting this year. Mm. And when it comes down to it in the playoffs for me, it's going to be that Washington. Uh, it's going to be that San Francisco collective run game versus that Washington defense. Um, and, and I just don't see a, I don't see a way that a run, te- a run focused team beats Washington. But you could see a scenario in which uh, a Fitzpatrick turnover turns into a uh, turns into a t- like a Fitzpatrick turnover turns into a Jalen Ramsey interception return. You and can, but I also can see it being much more of a Ryan Tannehill level te- team, where Fitzpatrick doesn't have the opportunity to turn the ball over because everything's checkdowns. Everything's. Everything's but 10 yards because you know I can see them losing up. a 13 to 6 game, a 14 to 13 game. 
I, I could too. Um, I also think what we got to, we have to really try to factor in is what the, what is that Washington home field going to be like this year? Well, who knows? Um, like we covered at the beginning of the show, the, the, the biggest thing that we can say against Washington is the fact that it's a dwindling fan base because right. it's, it's a very not on the field this year, but as a, as marketing and, uh, and as an identity, it's, there, there's a lot of fans that are, that are pissed that they're not the Redskins anymore. And, you yeah. know, I, again, I'm not, I'm not diving into all the politics there that they made the name change and that, yes, that was a good thing, but the way they did the whole process was just kind of stupid. So we don't even know if having a home field advantage is going to be a true home field advantage for them. And, you know, furthermore, you, you gotta, and again, we're going to avoid politics for this, this completely, but you don't know who's going to, if Washington is a, I was just there not too long ago, you know, DC is a place that is definitely divided. Yeah. Um, they don't want to be friends with each other there. And I know, you know, it's just like the rest of the country. For some reason, we've forgotten that we can have friends on different sides of the spectrum than ourselves. Yeah. But um, I do think that Washington heightens that more because just because of, you know, where they are and what they have to deal with on a daily basis down there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the name change is really at the forefront of that too, is there's a large chunk of those fans don't want to be fans of that team. Yeah. They'll they'll come back. I I do think they'll come back there. But obviously if this team starts doing the, what we've been talking about, they'll be Mm -hmm. back by playoff time, but it's not like the, the, fans are going to have an identity by that point in time. Right. I mean, they're going to be fans that are coming back and jumping on the latest thing. It's right. not, I mean, it's not like right. going to the black exactly. hole or the dog pound. Yeah. I mean, I live in new England. Um, I, I see what happens with, you know, Patriots football is a little different. Uh, Patriots fans are just so used to winning that last year. I think kind of shocked them and they didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> um, but you see with the Red Sox. When the Red Sox are good, man, there's Red Sox fans everywhere. And the Red Sox aren't good, they're, they're, you can't find them. And I think that's the way the Washington football team is going to be. But they're not going to have that. You're, you're right. They're not going to be like the dog pound. They're not going to have that rowdy bunch of guys that show up 0-16 and, and still want to be there. Yeah. You know, and it's going to be hard for that fan base to really root passionately and to get behind their team. But I think what I'm saying is, if they can almost, if they can even come close to mimicking what Seattle has, or you know, they can even come within a. No one can mimic what Seattle has. I mean, I know Seattle had hired an engineer to help their defense, yeah. <laughs> but if you can get anywhere near that kind of disruptive noise level, that Washington defense is going to be able to completely take advantage of the opposing teams. Yeah. Even and that's without why it, but yeah, you know, time will tell. We'll see as far as that goes. Um, we need to disagree on something though. We need to okay. uh we need to have our uh our uh bragging rights bet. So what did we disagree on this show? Is uh, it as simple as uh Dallas versus Philly for last place? I mean we could do Dallas versus Philly. I mean, I still also I have the I have the Giants being above five hundred. I don't think you have the Giants above five hundred. I had them right around there, though. That's not something I feel overly passionate about. 
Is it as simple as uh, is it as simple Dallas as week. Washington bye week? I, it, yeah, I mean that's I think where we disagree the most too is I I do think that the Redskins are oh football team. Easy, sorry, I do think the football team is easily a bye week team. Um, okay, let's do I, that. Uh, yeah, let's do that one. All right. Uh, bye week. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, watch. We'll both be wrong, and Dallas will end up winning the division. <laughs> okay, so it's not. Um, so we can only claim victory if uh, Washington, if Washington clinches the division. So I, I can't right. claim anything below a bye week. I can only claim. Uh, yeah, I can only claim division vic- um I can only claim Washington as the third seed or the fourth seed. And you can only claim Washington as the first or second seed. Exactly. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I think um, I think we went a little longer than we had talked about, but I think there was just there's good things happening in football right now. And I, oh, I hope there was a lot the, to talk about. <laughs> I hope the listeners in your of your podcast understand that even though people people say ratings dwindled a little last year. There's very good things happening in this game. Definitely. And if every once in a while a couple casual fans leave because, you know, obviously New England ratings were dipped a lot with Tom Brady being gone and stuff. And it's hard to have a fan base in Florida where most people are transient. There's not a huge number of people that live in Florida that were born and raised in Florida. Yeah. Um. So and then you go out west and you you look at the teams like the Rams, who you know, huge city. They they weren't that good. You had the Justin Herbert factor also in a way, but they were never really in contention to win. Yeah. Uh yeah, the Giants and the Jets, who you know, arguably one of the greatest cities in the world. Eleven million people. They weren't really tuned into football. I know, I know, Giants and Jets fans last year that didn't watch the games on Sundays. Uh, well, Dallas, both of those teams were hard to watch last year, especially the Jets. Yeah, and then you have Dallas. I, I will, I will be the first to admit that I did not watch a lot of Jets games last year. Like I was always mm-hmm. watching games when the Jets were on, but it yep. seldom was the Jets game. How could yeah, how I mean, could you then, watch it? It wasn't football. Exactly, and then you go to Texas which is arguably our biggest state for football in this country. And they had, both had bad teams. So I do want to, I, I want to encourage the football listeners and the people that love football and are very passionate about the game and understand that, yes, the ratings dipped and it wasn't the greatest show on earth, but we had a presidential election that was really drawing a lot of attention. Yeah. And we had a virus that made it very hard for a lot of I mean, there's a lot of fantasy leagues that didn't even try to compete last year. Yeah, I mean, 2000 was uh, 2000 was a 2020 was a very uh, uh, right. action filled year, whether it was the riots or whether whether the presidential race or COVID. You go down the list like the NFL as a yep. product overall because of COVID was not as good as it was in, in years past. Right. So I want to encourage your fans that in your listeners to even believe, though, that Football suffered. Everything suffered. But look at the idea that we're talking, we've just spent almost two hours talking about what last year was the worst division in football. And there was two hours worth of storyline to go into that division. 
Yeah. And we didn't go crazy. We didn't really <laughs> move around the bush all that much either. Most of what we discussed over probably a good 80 per 80 to 85% of what we discussed was relevant to the, those four teams this coming year. Yeah. And uh, I think you and I've talked about it in the past, uh, just a little teaser here. Uh, I, if the schedule holds and I'm still doing the AFC, the AFC West with J mill here, there, there's some good stuff in that AFC West. And Oh, AFC West is AFC West is, I mean, we just discussed a pretty exciting division, but it's not nearly as exciting as that division. <laughs> no, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, if if I'm on that podcast, which I believe I'm, I'm yes, you will be doing. I'm going to tell you right now that your AFC comeback player of the year and your a- your MVP are both coming out of the AFC West. And okay. and super teaser for you, they're on the same football team. Interesting. Yep. So uh, that that would be a good one and. I'm not even going to share that with Jay Mill offline because I, I want to catch his real reaction. I, on the I already for his listeners. I already know which two players you're talking about. <laughs> you probably do, but uh, you know because I do, the I comeback do wanna... player of the year is a running back and the MVP is a quarterback. That is true. Yes. Yep. So if you if you're not as uh, into my thought process as Jay Mill is, yeah, we've had too many to conversations podcast. for you to keep that hidden from me. <laughs> Yeah, um, and you never know. We could still be on different wavelengths and just think we're we're on the same page. Fair enough. But um, yeah, I I do think it's an encouraging time, and you know, I'll I'll give you all the I'll give you the top four reasons that I have the uh the Kansas City Chiefs not even making it into the uh into the AFC title game. See, that'll be interesting. We'll definitely have an obvious uh, bragging rights bet that show because uh, I don't know. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Especially when I and I know that your your listeners are really going to want to hear why I think that the Kansas City Chiefs have to win a wild card to get into the playoffs. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to the show even more now. So yeah, we will I mean, discuss uh, when we are going to be recording that. Uh, for now, we have this show to wrap up, though. So yep, once definitely. again, I want to thank you for being part of, a part of this, Josh, uh, taking uh, time out of the schedule. And uh, yeah, no, I, I really appreciate your insight. And it was fun chatting the NFC East with you. I want to give a thank you to uh, Anchor by Spotify, uh, the host of this podcast. They publish it. They distribute it. If you're looking to get into podcasting, I would highly recommend using Anchor by Spotify. Uh, they're doing everything for free. Once again, the hosting, the publishing, distributing, and I have no complaints. They're doing a great job with uh, JML for real. And uh, once again, I want to give a, a thank you to the listeners. Um, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Every single listen uh, helps and uh, it encourages and it uh, 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 validates what we're doing. And even if not, we'd, we'd still do it either way because we enjoy this. And these are conversations we would have had one way or another, but I'm just thankful to be able to share it with those of you that are listening. And uh, if you would take the time to, to rate us, give us a five-star rating, I would greatly appreciate that because obviously that helps us get uh, better sponsors, better promotional, uh, you know, better promotional partners. And uh, yeah, I look forward to growing together with you and uh, just want to give a one final shout out to everyone. Uh, one more big thank you to you, Josh. 
And uh, yeah, this is JML signing off. Have a great weekend, guys.